another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Yes, it's true. We are here. I'm your host, Nate Larkin, joined by our co-host from the West Coast, Aaron Porter. Uh, brother, I don't know. I'm feeling a little wrung out today. A little tired, a little worn out. <laughs> I'm feeling the same thing. We're both looking like we're dragging. <laughs> you, look at, you, you look especially like Randy Newman this morning. Do I, I really? Okay. You really do. <laughs> Oh, Not currently. I don't know how old that guy is now, but yeah, 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 yeah. I think I've got some old concert footage that you could doppelganger him on. Okay, can you, can you doppelgang someone? I don't think that's like an active. It by well, I don't think it's legal in twenty-seven states. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what? Well, you're you're dragging because you are trying to do. A million things. Oh, we're spinning plates like crazy. All of this activity around Samson all at once, man, and it's just is converging on fall 2017. It's nuts. And that is right around the corner. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, I consider this fall. We're in September. So anyway, just moments ago, I finished the final edits on an ebook called Beyond Accountability, The Life-Changing Power of Authentic Friendship, which will be out uh, a week from uh, when we're speaking right now. Who knows when we're going to be listening to this. Uh, people are going to listen to this, but uh, it'll be out on the 13th of September. Free wow. download uh, ebook. Where do they get that? Go to discipleship.org to, to uh, download it for free. Now, is that the group that uh, you're doing the conference with in that's, November? That's right. Samson House, the uh, the uh, new nonprofit organization that supports the work and growth of the Samson Society, is co-sponsoring the men's ministry track at the National Disciple Making Conference, which is uh, November 7th and 8th, I believe. And then you are trying to get uh, work finished and paid for for the new Samson app that oh. will have virtual meetings, find Silas's, have reports on, uh, hey, have you called your Silas today, or reminders, Yeah, I should say. Uh, just uh, Dr. Tom Mocha and I spent two hours this morning via Zoom with the design team in India. There's a whole gang of people over there who are working very hard to meet a tight delivery schedule. And what they're coming up with is just beautiful. I mean, just beautiful. So uh, what a great tool the new Silas app is going to be, and it's fully integrated with the website. We got to see a homepage on the new website today and then some of the stuff in the back office. So, yeah, at that new website, you're going to be able to uh, attend a newcomer meeting, and then if, you, uh, if you're not already a member of the Samson Society, attend a newcomer meeting. And if you like what you see, you can join. And from there, activate the app through the app. Interact with anybody you've been in a meeting with. Ask somebody to be your silence with a push of a, push of a button. And then begin uh, that walk. And very cool stuff. Also, uh, meetings in Boulder, Colorado last week with a fantastic group out there of uh, uh, American programmers, a uh, visionary leader, a uh, project called Glue, a mentoring platform so that you actually are going to be able to walk with your Silas down an intentional road. And we'll be doing not only path work or step work, but also heart work of the type that we're going to be talking about today with our guests. 
Wow. Well, I'm exhausted just hearing about all of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And prayers and it, for... Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And it is... I, I, You know, I... The one reason I never wanted to start a nonprofit organization was that I, I recognize that such organizations do things that require money, and then money has to be raised, and people have to ask for money. And I am not a person who likes to ask for money. But I will mention, uh, just to you and to our listeners, uh, that the uh, uh, the price tag on the new website and the app is $75,000, which is, uh, in the grand scheme of things, incredibly uh, economical for what we're getting. I'm coming to recognize people spend millions doing what we're doing. Uh, and 40000 of that has already been raised and uh, paid. But the next installment is due just uh, 11 days from now, on the 17th of September, another $20,000 payment, and there's no money in the bank. So, uh, friends out there, if, if you're able to help or if you know someone who might be able to help, who recognizes the value of what we're doing, the potential really to have uh, a major impact for the kingdom, uh, shoot me an email, uh, s- send something to uh, pirate monk podcast at gmail.com or at my personal email, nate at natelarkin.com or even better yet, contact Dr. Tom Mocha, tom at samsonhouse.org and uh, point us in the right direction. Now, in uh, with the heart of full disclosure, Nate, how much of that $75,000 are you personally keeping? For your mansion <laughs> and Ferrari, yeah, yeah, uh huh, yeah, yeah. I mean, all of it, really. And then we're paying we're paying the designers nothing. Yeah, the programmers they work for free. <laughs> well, I'm just you know, anytime there's a nonprofit, the first thing I look at is what are their administrative costs versus actually doing what they say they do. Yeah. And right now, your administrative costs are at uh, zero. Zero. So, I'm working for the- nothing. Tom is working for nothing. Uh, I'm the only one raking in the dough. And Aaron, yeah, Aaron, <laughs> you're working for nothing, and you're putting as much time in as as the rest of us, I think, brother. Well, it's. I just want other people to know that this is uh, going towards a thing that is to serve other people. And, yeah, that's what so, it's about. Yeah. So yeah. it's worth mentioning, even though it makes my skin crawl to have it mentioned every bit as much as it makes your skin crawl. Oh, we are the two God, worst money raisers ever created. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I like to make money. And oh, here's an awful thing. Probably by the time most of our listeners hear this, a hurricane will have struck Florida. And... uh I have a business that pays the bills. I've been in tent making work now ever since we started Samson. And uh, all of that work is in Florida. It's engineering work in Florida. And work has been, as you know, Aaron, very, very, very thin. All of that's about to change. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a hard thing when disaster and people losing uh, <sighs> property and homes is also the thing that uh, that's your job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and my job. Too. Yeah, so I am so uh, conflicted about this. So right, it's it's true. It's true. <laughs> I don't like asking for money or praying for hurricanes. And those seem to be your only options. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely, uh, 
just watching what went down in in Houston. And, oh man, you know, I am not I am not in a a place where hurricanes are a reality, so I have no idea. I remember driving through Louisiana in 1986, and something must have happened because the streets were flooded up to the uh, up to the top of the wheels in our motorhome, mm. and kids were swimming in the streets, and it was a sunny day, and they seemed to be having a ball. I actually remember thinking, this is the coolest thing ever, because <laughs> it's just like the whole thing is a giant pool, um, and those those are such clear memories. And now thinking back to, oh, that was actually probably a really horrible time yeah. for tens yeah. of thousands of people. So yeah. I just so, had a flashback today of driving through South Miami in 1992 after Hurricane Andrew, mm-hmm. which is not long after we started the engineering business. And it was it was like a war zone after after the, the and the most disorienting thing was that. All the, the landmarks were damaged and all the signs were gone. There were no signs at all. So it's this vast uh, uh, metro, metropolis, megalopolis, um, where every intersection looked like the last one. And we had the hardest time even finding the properties we were supposed to inspect. People were spray painting wow. the, the street names and street numbers on their houses in hopes that we could find them. So I, I, I don't want to see that kind of uh, misery in Florida, um, but I do like to work. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. So listeners can also be praying for Nate's predicament of how <laughs> he should be addressing God and what he should be asking for. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, yeah, when it comes to this, I just uh, I. I'm so excited, though. Uh, Tom and I uh, talk every day, and it seems as though every day, Aaron, we get one more sign that God is on the move and has decided to include Samson for some reason to play a key role in one aspect of this kind of uh, kingdom offensive. Uh, He seems to be orchestrating things in just remarkable ways. Too many stories to relate all at once, but uh, that's what gets me up and excited in the morning. Very cool. Well, I'm glad that you've been reminded yourself of why you should be excited this morning. So (laughs) things have taken a good turn for you. (laughs) And uh, you don't, uh, you're not visibly sweating right now. (laughs) Well, it, it is only 830, so... It is, yeah, it's been crazy uh, hot in the 110s, 112. San Luis, which is a much cooler town because it gets the coastal breeze, was 114. Hottest day on record ever. Uh, and the hard part is nobody has air conditioners. Well, not nobody. Some people do. Nobody I know. Nobody I can go <laughs> hang out with. Because they're just not necessary. You know, we'll have a handful of hot days in the summer, but not enough to, you know, have air conditioners and not even businesses. Last week I was so hot, I couldn't work in my office, which is in the garage. Um, Uh, So I was looking for restaurants or places I could sit and work, and almost I I couldn't find any of them with uh, air conditioners either. Oh, no. we, We are just not prepared for Las Vegas summers. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's very, very odd, and uh, it's also been humid, which, you know, why am I paying California prices for hot and humid? I could uh, just move to insert whatever state I don't want to offend there. <laughs> you could move to Houston, man. There Actually, they were much cooler in Houston than you were. Yeah, they're, oh, uh, a lot wetter, they're all dealing with... Uh, <laughs> We're we're drying out, and they're filled with water, and yeah. it's been a strange weather month or a yeah. few weeks. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, we made it through. It is now back to normal temperatures, and I hope it stays that way because it is sure nice to sleep at night. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I can just imagine second floor bedrooms in a hot house. It's yeah. a good it's a good combination. Well, we're we're done talking about the weather for the day. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited about our guest. Uh, our guest is going to be one of the speakers at the Samson Recharge Retreat. So it's called the Recharge Retreat or just uh, the Recharge? Recharge Weekend. Pirate Monk Re- Recharge Weekend. Pirate Monk Recharge Weekend. So Friday night speaker is on the show today. Mm. Uh, telling a little of his story and talking about what he's uh, going to be bringing to the table for the men to eat. Uh, it sounds really good, but what else? There, we're, we're slow in signing up for this weekend because we're men. Uh, so, guys, start signing up for Pete's sake. Makes it easier to plan when we know who's coming. Uh, what are they going to get? What are they signing up for? Well, of course, they're going to get to see the uh, the staff of the uh, Pirate Monk podcast. We're probably the major draw. They're coming. To, <laughs> you're bringing your sharpie. You're going to sign autographs and everything, aren't you, Aaron? Uh, well, I'll I'll be selling autographs, but yeah, there, there'll be autographs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, this is going to be just a great time of teaching, training, uh, demonstrations of kind of alternate ways to do some of our Samson work. We'll have uh, a, a Samson meeting just with guys from around the country early on in the weekend. There's going to be music from some of the Nashville gang. We're going to beta test uh, the new app and website. So uh, it, when you do come, uh, plan on bringing your phone and your laptop if you have one. See, this is the only retreat that does not take away your phone and laptop. It tells you, please have them, keep them. It's right, awesome. Right, right, right. And in so doing, you'll be doing you'll be serving the larger Samson community because I'm sure we're going to find some bugs. And uh, so let's work it out and give our feedback. All of that will then go back to the design team in India, and they'll have a few weeks to make the changes we recommend before it all gets rolled out at the National Disciple Making Conference. Awesome. So you're going to get to have a great time meeting people from all over the country, other Samson guys. You're going to get to be involved with some meetings. You're going to get some encouragement in teaching and uh, some recreation. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a nice, it's a great place. Uh, You know, we will have some optional tracks on Saturday afternoon, so if you want to bug out and go shoot skeet or play around a golf, you can pull that off, or you can hang around Sunday. After the close, we close at 11 o'clock on Sunday and spend that afternoon at Henry Horton State Park. We'll be staying at the lodge, and there are great recreational facilities right there. And if you want to drive uh, into Lewisburg, uh, it is the weekend of the Goat Festival. That's right. I <laughs> forgot about that. The Goat Festival will be happening. And heck, we might even get some discounts for uh, pirate monks. You know, we'll we'll ask. I'm not promising anything. But. That's right. <laughs> Two for one goats. 
Oh, man. Ever since my wife bought our three goats last year, I, I got to say I'm not the biggest fan. Oh. Those goats love jumping on my car hood and trunk whenever they're let out. Really? And I just, I cannot figure out how to train the goats not to do that, except with a large stick, preferably with something sharp on the end. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, those things drive me nuts. Do they stink? Uh, it's far enough up the hill that I don't notice it. I don't okay. think they smell that bad. Okay. All right. Maybe they're special goats. The, we got the non-smelling goats. You did. It was an option. Yeah, the, 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 Febre- the Febreze breed of goat. <laughs> That's right. So, anyways, well, let's, should we get to this interview? Yeah, we should. Yeah. All right. So, we will be right back with our special guests, two of them, in just a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Podcast and a guest who I have wanted on this uh, program almost since its very beginning. A fellow who I uh, knew by reputation long before we met, but I knew from the moment we got together that we're brothers. Jeff Schulte from Tin Man Ministries is with us. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Nate. Good to be here. <clears throat> uh, yeah, we speak whenever whenever someone says my name and this has reputation, I get scared. I, don't know what <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a I had a uh, probably one of the best things that was ever said to me. I was sitting in an elder meeting uh, of a church that had taken me in about ten years ago and was just loving me in some significant ways. And I had a young elder look at me and we're kind of introducing around the room and to me to these this eldership. Um, actually, it was at Lighthouse. Nate, uh, uh, you might be familiar with them over uh-huh. in Antioch, but this young guy looks at me and he goes, Jeff. He goes. I've heard about your great successes and I've heard about your great failures and I'm, in, and I'm impressed by neither. <laughs> he said, he said well, what matters to me is that your father is my father, which makes you my brother. Oh, and I wow. went, bam, I have never had anyone say anything more significant to me. So um, yeah, reputation, that's all over the place for me. It uh, depends yeah. on who you talk to. But um, what I know <laughs> is I'm glad to be on this podcast with you because the way I put it to you the other day when we talked was, um, I just know we've been swimming in the same river. Yeah. Uh, and it's, um, or at least canoeing in the same river. Maybe I put it that way because it's kind of fun now to, in some ways to be in the same canoe with you, uh, talking about how we can do some stuff together. It's very exciting yeah. to me and I love this connection, um, chance to be on the podcast with you, but really more even to think about some of the ways that we are, like you said, um, doing some of the same things, care about some of the things, same things. And although our stories are different, they're really not all that different at all. No, no. Well, well our, our, our listeners need to know a little. Go ahead, Aaron. Well, before we go on with Jeff's story, we have a man in the bottom right corner of the screen that is either a voyeur or purposefully on the show. Uh, you probably <laughs> yeah. need an introduction. Yeah. Oh, thank you. This is Joel Peters, who uh, I ran into a coffee. Uh, I ran into in a coffee shop at Starbucks of all places. Oh, a couple of months ago, maybe. Of all places, uh, <laughs> like it was so surprising you were. Yeah, in yeah. <laughs> Is that or a pub? Yeah. yeah a, <laughs> stranger said, you're Nate Larkin, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And he introduced himself. Joel, Joel Peters said, 
told me that he had uh, started a Samson group in Seattle years ago and did it for three years and that he was now here working with Jeff Schulte. So, uh, hey, Joel, go ahead. Give us a, a thumbnail, brother, of how you got here to Middle Tennessee. Oh, man, here in Tennessee. Yeah, I was in a uh, – I led a Samson group for three years, and uh, but I also was tracking with what Jeff was doing and Tin Man. And uh, I knew Jeff eight years ago, nine years ago in Alaska. That's where I met him. And uh, I came to Nashville to be closer to it, be closer to him, and uh, continue to get my heart back. Fantastic. Well, brother, it's a privilege to have you here. Go ahead, Jeff. I was I met Joel. He initially took me to coffee. He wanted to talk about, he was leading a singles ministry in the large church we were in together in Anchorage. And he said, he wanted me to talk about singles ministry. And about five minutes in the conversation, I said, I think there's other stuff that we can talk about. <laughs> we sort of started <laughs> getting past that into some real hard issues. And he became a, uh, a brother that I have watched a young man. I have watched slowly uh, with a lot of passion uh, move toward getting his life back um, and living more wholeheartedly with his wife, with his kids and with some other men. And um, I've, I've watched God uh, really has his hand on Joel's life uh, with other men. And so, man, when he said, hey, Jeff, I'd like to come to Nashville and be close to what's happening there. I said, well, we don't have a job and we have no money, but you're welcome to come. And he said, I'm coming. Put his family in an RV, sold his house and brought his family across country, showed up uh, in Nashville a little over a year ago and said, I'm here. Let's just go for it. And so uh, I love that he's on this podcast as well. And he's kind of in this journey with me with Tin Man. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, uh, I remember, I think it's been a dozen years or so, when I heard that the hard-charging pastor of the most successful church in town had uh, stepped down and porn was somehow involved. Yeah. Uh, I imagine if you're like me, you look back on that day and you realize God was saving your life. It was actually the best day of your life. But how did it feel at that moment, if you can remember, rewind yeah, um, I'll, I'll go back probably, um, I go to August of 2005, and um, I had just come off a summer when typically I would take a, maybe a week or two off. That was probably all I gave myself back then, gave myself a couple a week with my family, and typically that would be uh, my recharge, and then I would come back to um, hit the ground running for a pretty hard fall, and I was walking into that August, and um uh, it's a long, longer story about how porn had gotten involved about uh, about two years prior, but about a year and a half prior, I was eighteen months. But I came into that fall uh, realizing one, I didn't have a, I didn't have that gear that I'd always had mm. uh, to step in gear. But also there was this thing that was happening to me that had started about eighteen months prior, where I had started looking at pornography, and so I was on this train that I couldn't get off of. Mm. Um, and it, it was actually a train I got on way early, eight years old. Um, that had lasted up into my early twenties. Uh, but then in my early twenties seemed to have disappeared. Um, and I thought it had, I thought God had answered a desperate prayer, uh, for me to ask him to take that away from me, having come to know Christ when I was 18 years old, freshman in college. And then the collision between my acting out behavior and my faith in Christ. And then those years of conflict where my relationship with God had always been determined by how I was doing, whether I was masturbating, looking at porn or whatever, if I was doing well mm-hmm. there, everything was great. If I wasn't, it was all falling apart. And, uh, and it all seemed to disappear and stay dormant for probably 18 years. Um, 
and really what I'd done, I'd just, I'd substituted one addiction for another. I'd mm-hmm. moved from porn, which is a desire to be lusted after for me, at least, uh, wanting to be wanted and desired, uh, to, I ch- really found that in ministry, um, mm-hmm. where I found that other people wanted me, desired me and liked what I was bringing and I was succeeding. But then it kind of popped his head back up again, uh, about six years into a eight year window with this church that, uh, that I planted here in Nashville that had gotten big real fast. But that summer, I remember realizing that I uh, was terrified to tell anyone what was going on in my life. Uh, I knew that if I told anyone, I had a couple counselors I was working with, but no one at the church knew. If I told anyone there uh, what was starting to happen with me, uh, I would lose everything. Mm-hmm. I was married at that point, 18 years. I had six kids under the age of 14, and I just thought I'll lose it all. Um, and so this is a secret I have to keep while I try to work on it over here on the side. Problem is the the keeping of the secret uh, was part of the problem. But anyway, that summer I remember thinking I either I need to get out of here somehow. I was suicidal um, because I felt like that was this is crazy. I think about it now, but the only way to get out of the situation I was in was to go away. It wasn't mm. to tell the truth; it was to go away. Mm. And so uh, there were various ways I experimented with how to kill myself and was acting out on a couple of those plans. And it, it just got pretty tough. And finally, I I went to the elder board that summer and that August and I decided I either need to resign or you need to give me a sabbatical, but I, I cannot lead this church in the state that I am. And they said specifically, is it sexual? And I said, no, and that was not true. But I was just, again, I was just so afraid. Uh, and at that point, honestly, Nate, um, Joel and uh, Aaron, I didn't, I didn't know where to go, what to do. All I knew was I was stuck and I was on this train. I could not stop. And all the intellect I had, the good theology, the willpower, the hard work, the self-will, none of that was working to stop this thing that was happening in me, which was taking away um, 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 any any kind of life that I had. And so I was pretty desperate. I'd say desperate enough to think that the only answer to me was to kill myself. Um, um, yeah, it was a pretty dark, I just remember being a very dark time. Um, fortunately, um, uh, God did not um, leave me alone in that. And that's another part of the story that I, uh, uh, I've never seen a man get out of a mess like that by himself. And fortunately, I didn't have to stay by myself and I had some men come get, come get me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so you got to, uh, you got to begin this recovery journey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it didn't come easily. I still committed myself that I could get this recovery journey without telling the truth. Cause there are some things about my story that I swore I'd never tell anybody. I dropped in a grave. And so yeah. I was in a, actually I admitted myself in a, uh, a treatment center. And even there I uh, spent the first couple of weeks, not telling the truth. I'm in a treatment center for sex addiction. I'm not telling them I got a sex addiction. Um, uh, I was just so, you know, I have so much compassion for guys on this. I was just so afraid. Yeah, I just knew I was going to do everything, and and you know I did. You know there was a there was a cost uh, to some of what happened, but um, I gained much more than I lost in the long run with what ended up playing out. Yeah, but gosh, yeah. I was terrified. It was life terror enough. Like I said, scared enough that I thought the only way I could get out of it with honor, quote unquote honor, was to burn my journals and uh, kill myself. Uh, God forbid anyone read what I written in my journals. So what happened? They weren't, they, weren't, they weren't Jim Elliott journals. I mean, this was, this was like, yeah. Was <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to try to journal as a young, young father of Christ. Thinking, man, my grandkids are going to read these and know that grandpa was a godly man. And that yeah. was a waste of time. 
<laughs> so what happened after you finally realized, okay, the truth needs to be a part of this? What were you surprised about as far as the responses and how, how did certain parts go down just like you thought they would? Um, I remember Chip Dodd, who was one of the men that was a part of the rescue team that had dug into my life. I remember Chip saying to me, and I had this written on a three by five card on my mirror for three months that I was in a treatment center. And it said this, it said, if, if, if you tell the truth, those who want good for you will move toward you. And those who don't will not. If you tell the truth, those who truly want good for you will move toward you. And those who do not will not. And I'll tell you the surprise was the surprise was those who moved toward me. And the surprise was those who did not because the ones that I thought would move toward me did not. And then there are some that moved toward me that I had no idea where they came from. And, um, and yet in that, and I, another thing that I remember, um, uh, one of my mentors at the time, a pastor who's been a guy named Al Henson, who's been a godly man in my life. He was the pastor at the church where the young man said to me about your reputation. I remember Al Henson saying, you know, Jeff, the men that you wanted for did not. But God did not leave you alone. Mm-hmm. He did not leave you alone. And so I was a man that had a million friends that realized I only needed a few. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the few that I had were all I needed. And there were some men that became closer than a brother. I, uh, some of that had to do with my capacity now to build relationships. But, but um, and over the last 10 years, I've probably built the, the best friends I've ever had. And it's all been around my journey of recovery. Um, and I would say what I, part of my history would be, I, what I mistook as intimacy was always intensity. Mm. And I learned, I learned how to be intimate, not just connected around intensity. You know, it's the foxhole intimacy. That's intense. We all become brothers in a foxhole, but we don't really know each other. And uh, I learned how to really know each other, which is really came from telling others the truth about me. Uh, and so when I started learning how to do that, it, it invited a kind of relationship that I had never had. And then you know, I, I, I could tell you a quick story. I remember uh, I remember two months out of a treatment center. Now, you need to know when I got out of that treatment center, I sat down with an elder board and I told them the whole truth. I said, this is everything that happened. They asked me any question they wanted to ask. There was some really grotesque detail. Uh, some of the questions were, it was awful. Um, honestly, I have to go through that. I still remember it very vividly. Um, uh, and I remember one question, one of the elders said to me, he said, he said, can you promise us you'll never mm-hmm. do that again? Mm-hmm. And I remember being, you know, solidly four months into a, process of recovery. Like I was just a green baby at that point, but, but I didn't know enough to say this. I said, man, I said, I cannot promise you I'll never do yeah. that again, but I can tell you is that I'm in a better place than I've ever been in my life. Uh, I've not acted out in any way today. Don't plan to today. And I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and ask for the grace of God to do it tomorrow. And, uh, well, that scared those guys cause they wanted the assurance that they didn't have to be afraid that I'd ever do something crazy again. So it wasn't a good answer. <laughs> Lying to good us answer to make us feel better. <laughs> <laughs> yes. God. Yeah, bullseye, you know, and I, in, in retrospect, I probably could have been a little bit more deceptive <laughs> in the sense that they could, they had no context for that kind of answer. Right. You know, yeah. I, well, the nuance that, but I, I can tell you that oh, I'm coming wait, out of there. Pause, uh, pause you know, there, I, Jeff. I, I, pause there. there. Pause, <laughs> pause button. What? They had no context for that kind of answer. That kind of answer was simple truth. The men who were in charge of leading the flock had no context for hearing the truth. That just broke my heart in at least three places and was so true. Just wanted to point that out. Please continue. Yeah, I will. Thanks, Darren. Um, here's the little story I want to tell. I remember, 
So I was publicly humiliated in front of the whole church, uh, you know, given five minutes to tell my story. Uh, yeah. God told me, he said, he said, you tell everything, Jeff. He says, you tell every stinking detail. You say things that, they, you know, there were some things they wanted me to say. I didn't know if I agreed with, but I said, he said, just say it, just say everything. He goes, and then what will happen is you'll, no one will ever be able to say, well, if you only knew. Just lay out there. He goes, Jeff, you're repentant. You're going to have to trust. The, he said, torch the mountain to see if something will grow from the ashes. And so I stood in front of the whole church one Thursday night, and I laid it all out. And, you know, I'd, I'd been fired and didn't know what I was going to do the rest of my life. I had this fan. I had a limited health. Um, it was just, I was terrified. Uh, but here's what I remember. I remember walking across. I can tell you where I was in my living room. I'm walking through my living room and I literally stopped. It was like this moment where I was tasting. If you've ever been somewhere like exotic, some place around the world where you taste the kind of food, you get, there's a taste in your mouth and you, you think, I've never tasted that unique taste before. Like something has crossed my lips, my palate that, that I've never tasted that before. And I literally stopped. The, the, it was so unique inside my chest. I stopped and I said, what am I feeling? What is that? I have never felt this. Now, everything uh, except my family and a few friends I lost my church lost my reputation lost all the ministry I'd been in lost my anyway there's a whole lot that came with that financially it, it just tanked me a lot of things happened but I remember I remember thinking what is this and it was joy yeah and I went that's joy and I remember getting on the phone and calling Chip Dodd and saying Chip I think I just I think joy just happened inside me and I don't know if I've ever sensed that before. It was, it was, it was that profound. And yet in the midst of incredible loss. Yeah. Um, and, but they came together, if that makes any sense. I, they came together and I didn't have one without the other. Mm. Mm. So tell me about, because I'm, I'm the guy in the dark here in this conversation. Tell me about the 10 man ministry. What, what is that? How did that come out of this? Well, so I needed to go, it's where it came out of. So at the time, you know, here's where the name came from. At the, at the time, uh, I, needed to, I needed to work, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I'd been in vocational ministry my whole life. That was where my training and my experience and my passion had been. I didn't know what I was going to do because I lost my job and was told I would, at the time, it was pronounced that I would never be trusted in ministry again. And uh, I was given the, the death sentence, and it was in writing, and I had to see it, and I had to hear it, and I had to embrace it. And um, so I needed to find some work, and uh, there was a, a local media company that was growing very quickly. And I won't tell you how I got hired to help them some, but I needed to create an LLC, a consulting LLC so that these people could pay me. And I remember I was standing down at the, uh, uh, the national secretary of state for the state of Tennessee. And I'm trying to register for an LLC. And they told me I needed to, to make up a name. And I stood there for a minute and I thought, now, why am I here? Like, why am I even here doing this? Because this name is only going to be for me personally at the time. And I'll connect you to the, to the, to the ministry in a second, but everything I need to name this I need to name this something that matters to me and so it just it just jumped in my head I never had the thought but all of a sudden the story of the tin man just jumped into my brain and I thought to myself you know what I was rusting on a hillside like this little knoll by the road and 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 when the rust started I couldn't help myself I I needed someone to do for me what I couldn't do for myself and that was someone to come along it was Phil Herndon and Chip Dodd and Al Henson and some people that cared about me and and, and to, to oil me and take me off the hillside and at the time, I was so disconnected from what was in me and my chest. I, I thought, I just need a heart. I'm so hardened. I'm so numb. I'm so disconnected from my wife, from my wife, from my wife, and my wife at this does to you. It just, just promises intimacy, and then it just makes you more alone and numbs you. It was numbing me. It had numbed me. And so I wanted to go to Oz. I, I thought I needed a heart. 
And uh, you know, the story in the Wizard of Oz is that all those characters actually did not lack what they want, wanted Oz to give them, the wizard to give them in Oz. Uh, they actually discovered on the way to meet the wizard uh, that they'd had what they wanted the whole time. It was just buried deep inside them somewhere and disconnected. And so with the Tin Man, you know, he stands before the wizard and we all know that the Tin Man had a ton of heart. He had a ton of heart. And what the wizard gave him was a clock to hang on his chest to remind him that he had been there the whole time. Uh, he had just been disconnected from it. And he was not a hollow shell. In fact, he was a, a breathing, feeling, longing, desiring Tin Man, but in my case, human being. And so I named it Tin Man Consulting. And now fast forward where God has given me a real passion and desire these last years to bring uh, this recovery of life into the local church, specifically with Christian leaders, but just with men in the church generally. I named it Tin Man because I think there are a lot of men out there who need someone to do for them what they could not do for themselves. They're rusting. They're they're sitting on the side of the road and they don't. They think they're done and they don't. They can't move. They're stuck, and they need someone to, to squirt some oil in the joints and pull them off that hillside and um, and help them reconnect with the heart they've had the whole time. And when that reconnection starts to happen, and it's God made. I mean, we're all made to live this way. We start connecting again with God. We connect with ourselves. We connect with others, and we start living again. And then we find that we're, um, uh, we're on a road with other Tin Men uh, who are on the same journey with us. And so that's kind of what Tin Man's about. Wow. That Long is a, answer, but that's, that, a, no, that's, a, that's a beautiful one. And I love that he needed yeah. his brothers and a journey to discover what yeah. he needed to discover about himself. Now, Nate, I know you had some specific questions that uh, are in regard to... About Samson. Sorry, I got a strange delay and you're cutting out. Are you... I can hear you, Aaron. Go ahead. Okay. You had some specific questions relating to uh, a specific event coming up. So uh, let's let's make that turn. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, can you hear me okay there, uh, Jeff? Uh-oh. Yeah. We got oh, you can. Okay. I can uh, that. Yeah. Well, we've got this big Pirate Monk uh, Recharge Weekend coming up. In October, it starts on Friday the 13th, October the 13th, runs through the 15th. And um, I have really wanted uh, our guys, as many of them as possible, to meet Jeff and um, to hear from him, to kind of get a primer on emotional vocabulary. What, in order to get our hearts back, we have to we have to learn the language of the heart and begin to recognize uh, the voice of our own heart. Yeah. And uh, Jeff is the most gifted guy I know in kind of uh, explaining and uh, dem- introducing men to, uh, to that emotional vocabulary. So Jeff has actually uh, agreed he's, he has to fly out on Saturday morning, but he can be there on Friday night. And Joel is going to come for the entire weekend. And uh, those men who come for the weekend are going to, uh, it's going to be a real treat to have some of this unpacked for us. <coughs> I wonder if we can get a, 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 just a bit of a taste. Now, when you, uh, Jeff, when you went to uh, treatment, you sat down with the, yeah. the eminent Chip Dodd. Uh, man, I love that guy. Uh, he introduced you to, uh, to a list of feelings. That hold, hold, Nate, hold on. I'm going to leave because I'm a man and I don't want to hear about emotional vocabulary. <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> well, wait. I'll see if this guy, Jeff, can talk me into staying on the show. <laughs> that was, that was the open door. Pitch me, man. Pitch me. 
Take it away, Jeff. Oh, that's good. Oh my gosh. Well, actually, you know, better than to, to, to just pitch you, I, I would love Joel. Joel, tell a little bit about your story around that piece, especially you were, you were in a Samson group. Um, uh, you had a Silas, you were a Silas, you know, all that's working, but there was a piece that, 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 that you were hungry for in addition to that, that does relate to what I'm going to talk about at the Samson weekend. Yeah, I, I see it as the movement from... Oh, wait a second. Hold, hold on, yeah. We need to... Hold on. Hey, guys, wait a second. We've got a bad, really bad audio. We can't hear uh, Joel. And, and also, it's good. like slowing down on whatever network. I'm, his video's not even coming okay. in. All right. Okay. We might have to skip that. Well, hey, by the pay? way, are you guys able to... Are we what? I can just, I can just go into it. Uh, or you I can, was trying to include Joel's You're in the same room, so you could just hand him yeah. your phone and your earphones. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Here you go, Joel. <laughs> Am I live? You are. You're live, You're man. Happening. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is go. great. I was, I was on the... <laughs> there, there we go. All right. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, I was in a, I was in a Samson meeting for three years, and and I, actually, I was in twelve step before that, and I mm-hmm. wanted, I had a passion to bring this to the church, and you know, we we had good days and bad days, and good weeks and bad weeks. Um, it, in a lot of ways, it, with the no cross talk, we, we felt like we were treading water a lot, and you know, what what the missing piece for me was was being known and knowing others in, a, in, a, in the heart. And, and, I, and, I, and I knew some of this language. I still need someone to work with me one step at a time and know my journey. And you can't, you can't go somewhere where you've never been without some help from another guy who has. And, um, you know, that's, that, that's really the, the missing piece for me. Nice. <laughs> you know, so you know, the, the, I think feelings get a rap um, in many places, especially in the church. I think you know we're we're sold sort of a version of Christianity that's from the neck up. Uh, that if I could think the right thing, I'll do the right thing. And you know, I'd tell any man, any man anywhere to say, you know, just because you know something to be true, uh, has that guaranteed you to be able to do? You know, I know I need to eat better. Uh, but do I? Uh, I know this is killing me, but can I stop? Um, I know this is going to harm me, but do I do it anyway? You know, thinking the right. If you think about this, if I think if I can think right, I'll live right. Uh, it's not even Christian. I don't know what it is, but it's not Christian. Um, Christianity is being transformed by a loving God who comes to live within me and changes me by the power of His love for me. And I can't do relationships from the neck up with just what I know. I got to do relationships from what's happening inside my chest, which means um, uh, I can't learn enough truth to be intimate with God. I got to be able to bring to God what's true about me as well. So there's really two tr- truth about God and the truth about me. The reason I talk so much about feelings is because feelings really are, they are, now hear this, the truth about me. Now, when people talk about, well, no, your feelings can lie to you. I said, well, what lies to me is my resentment. What lies to me is my self-pity. What lies to me is my toxic shame. 
what lies to me um, is my uh, my rage. What lies to me is my anxiety. Those are, that's what lies to me. What doesn't lie to me is my fear. Fear tells me I'm in need of refuge. Fear tells me I'm in need of protection. Fear tells me that bad things can happen to me and I need someone to be with me. When my children, any six of them, when they were children, were crying out in a dark bedroom because they thought some boogeyman was in that room. They did not need me to come in and show them the truth by turning on the lights, sweeping under the bed and opening up the closet. In fact, I could walk in those rooms and crawl into a dark bedroom into a dark bedroom and onto a bed and lie next to one of my children and wrap them up in my arms. And that child very immediately began to slow their heart rate, their breathing slowed, and they fell asleep within minutes, not because the boogeyman went away and not because there wasn't something scary in that room, because the dark is scary, because the dark is unknown. What happened was they were comforted by my presence, which allowed me to be present with them as well. So in truth, their fear was not a lack of faith. Their fear was the cry out of their need. And their faith was that I would come. And, their, and the wisdom in that was that I was one who loved them and wanted to be with them and could comfort them and could protect them. See, so faith is not the, or fear is not the absence of faith. Fear is the human recognition of what's going on in my life that I need a God who will be with me because this is a terrifying place to live in. So there's, there's an interesting uh, nuance in there. When you say your fears don't lie to you, you're they're speaking a certain truth. But when your kids were afraid of the boogeyman, their fears, their fears set on the boogeyman were still lying to them because they couldn't interpret yeah. what it was really speaking yeah. as far as the truth. Yeah. So what they're, they're afraid of might not be true, but their fear was the truth. Right. Their fear was the need and the hunger. And as long as I still believe in the boogeyman, I'm going to put all my faith and hope that God will deal with the boogeyman and not be a loving father. Yeah, and you ought to, I, I say I'm 55 years old. There's not, a, there's not a man or even woman listening to this podcast that doesn't have boogeyman that they're afraid of. Now, some things they need to be legitimately afraid of. Uh, in fact, uh, I don't want children, I raise children that I taught them to be afraid of some things because if they're not afraid, they're going to be dead by the time they're five. Uh, they had to learn that there are some things that will harm them. Faith is or fear is a good thing. Uh, and I taught them to be afraid of some things. But then all of us have boogeymen. Uh, things that we're afraid of, we're afraid is going to happen. Uh, uh, but the question, the question is, can I tell the truth about my fear so that God can comfort me in that fear? Mm-hmm. Because my denial of that fear will lead me to anxiety. It'll lead me to try to control what I cannot control. And then it'll lead me to rage, which is trying to somehow overpower a world I cannot overpower because I'm anxious. And we'll use the Bible out of context completely to take us away from this. And you know, we, we, we use verses like perfect love casts out all fear. Well, the context of that verse is not about me being afraid of the boogeyman. It's about me being afraid of my eternal judgment. Go to first John chapter four or be anxious for nothing. Well, that word's not fear. That word is anxiety or God has not given us a spirit of fear. Well, that word's not fear. That word is cowardice. And to be a man of courage uh, is not a man without fear. It's a man who wants something enough that he's willing to do what he's afraid of. Courage is I will do it because I care about it. Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, absolutely terrified of what was coming. Let's go to one moment in his life. Jesus, the God-man, holy, holy man and holy God, but also holy man. He was lonely. He was afraid. He was sad. And he, and he told the truth about all of it. And he was also angry. He wanted something. And that's why in the midst of his fear and his hurt and his loneliness with his 
best friends wanting him, you know, he wanted his best friends to be with him. Uh, he's going to do something that's absolutely scary to him. He said to his father, if there's another way, gosh, literally, can we do this a different way? Let this cup pass from me. You're kidding. That's why he came. Let this cup. That's, that's what he had decided from pre-time he was going to do. It's what's promised in Genesis 3, verse 15. And Jesus came to do it. And now he's in his moment. And he's, and he's wanting to go a different route. He was afraid. And then he told the truth about it. And then it says, for the joy set before him, and then he endured the cross and the spot of the shame. Jesus Christ, in his passion, in his anger, stands up in the garden, sweating drops of blood, and walks to the cross. So we see him full of passion, which is the gift of anger. We see him full of fear. He cries out to his father, is there another way? And then says, not my will, but thy will be done. He's hurt that his disciples fell asleep on him, and he's, and he's lonely that they wouldn't stay awake with him. And somehow I think being a godly man means not being any of those things. I can't be lonely, which cries out to my need of relationships. I can't be afraid, which speaks to my need of God. I can't be hurt, which speaks to my need of healing. And yet somehow, so I create this, I, I have such passion about this. We create this model kind of robotic picture of godliness that means somehow I'm no longer a human being. And therefore I can grow out of my need of God. Mm. It's absolutely crazy. And it's, I think men, it's what I think one of the, one of the seductive natures of pornography is it promises relationship. In fact, it feels, listen, it feels relational when it's happening. I tell guys all the time, you're made for this. You're made for human connection. And you know what? We'll, we'll settle for this. It's close enough. And that's what porn does. It, just, it gives us this. It looks like intimacy. It looks like relationship. Our chest explodes. All adrenaline pumps, endorphins, and, and dopamine. All this stuff's happening in our brain. It looks like connection, but then leaves us empty. The reason I think we're so, so vulnerable also to that lie is because we don't live in dynamic, intimate relationships ourselves. We don't have this kind of connection with others, other men, and with God. And I'm going to tell you, we won't have those kind of relationships head to head. I have sat my whole life. I've been a, I've walked with God for 30, been a believer for 37 years. And I'm going to tell you, I have never been able to think of my way to intimacy with God. I just haven't. But when I tell the truth with God, when I tell him how afraid I am, and I tell him how, how lonely this is, and I tell him how sad the loss is, I tell him how much shame I feel about my, my limitations, uh, when I talk to him about my guilt, I'm going to tell you, relationship happens. Because I have a God that shows up with me, who the scripture says is a high priest that knows what it's like to be me. And I'll tell you, when I sit with other men, and I talk about that part of me, when I talk about what's inside my chest, not just that I act it out. You know, that's that's the that's the that's like level one of intimacy is hey man I, I looked at porn and I masturbated that's I'm telling you you want you want to freeze up a group of men you you put some feeling words in front of them and say what are you feeling and I'm telling you guys guys just go blank and and the sad thing about that is those grown men were once little boys and those little boys knew how to tell the truth about what was inside them that little boy was able to say I'm afraid that little boy was say, knew he was sad when he was sad. He knew he knew he was hurt when he was hurt, but somewhere along the line, in a fallen world and in perfect families with imperfect parents, that little boy grew up and he grew out of himself. And he walked away from the best part of him. And that was the part of him that instead of showing who he was, he had to hide who he was. Because somehow to be a man meant to hide it. And he started jamming all those crap sandwiches back down inside his chest. And then all of a sudden, something that shows promise of relief of life, like pornography, it could be anything else. Work does this too. 
Um, but man, something felt alive to him and he stuck his finger in the light socket and it hooked him. And I just am convinced that unless a man has a bigger yes, he cannot say no to what's harming him. And, and so that's why I talk about feelings because feelings are the, are, are not the end piece, but they are the, they are the doorway that opens us up into the bigger yes, which is intimacy mm-hmm. with God and with some other men and with our wives and with our children. Yeah. Wow. That is, that is going to be a great time at the retreat. I can't yeah. wait to hear that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, can, I, can I tell you why I'm so passionate about this is because nothing else, nothing else has worked. <laughs> Listen, religion didn't work. Um, memor- I mean, there's not, there's nothing else that worked and I pray this way and that connects me with God and with other men. And so that's why I'm passionate about it. It's just a slice of the pie, but I think it's an important slice and I'm, I'm really grateful uh, to be at that little piece uh, into a bigger picture of what Samson's doing and what Nate's doing, and other Silas's along as well, and guys like Joel. And um, it's just, I'm, I'm, paying, um, I'm excited. I'm coming out of my chair uh, just because it's, it's a big deal. And there's a lot of stake. So, so those are the principles that I'm looking forward to unpacking more and uh, unpacking my crap sandwiches. Uh, are there some practical tools you're going to bring as well that we can practice yeah. with each other on the weekend? Yeah, I will. And, um, and also that's, that's, you can pray about this too. That's something that Nate and I are talking about is, is how, is how we, is how we even uh, help guys. Um, uh, um, you know, here's the thing. We're not going to talk about anything that God hasn't given you the capacity to do. And these words that I'm going to talk about that Chip Dodd first introduced me to 12 years ago in a treatment center. Uh, um, these are words that are intuitive to how we're made. We can speak them. Like I said, they're, they're not the end goal. But they do open up a lot of other possibilities relationally. And uh, so I'll, we'll talk about some tools. Samson's trying to develop some. I'm working with them. Some of that. I'm very excited about it. Um, uh, but, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give just a taste of that on that Friday night. Nice. Oh, yeah. And there is, uh, you know, there was the point, you know, I had a wonderful conversation just last week, Thursday or Friday, can't remember which day it was, with, uh, I guess it was Friday, with, uh, with Jeff and Joel and Dr. Tom Mocha and myself. And, uh, you know, at the front end for me, it was kind of a, you know, a, a get-together session, a bit of a reunion. And all of a sudden, when it landed on me, what it just really appears God has orchestrated, I almost fell out of my chair. And uh, I do believe that God has uh, put us together to walk together. Uh, And uh, I'm just uh, so excited about introducing this. Uh, This isn't any change in Samson by any stretch of imagination, but we're going a little deeper. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. Uh, those of you who are watching this on video, you'll see there's a different background. We're actually doing this in the counseling center where Jeff now works. Uh, I'm in Jeff's office. We had some audio difficulties, which you may have picked up on this podcast. Forgive us if we did. If you did, uh, he's in a separate room and we're using all kinds of exotic technology to try to get this conversation recorded and distributed to as many people as possible. Uh, you you do work as a licensed therapist uh, as one of the many things you do. You also travel and speak extensively, Jeff. Uh, how are you? How are you holding up under all that activity? 
Um, well, I'm going to hold up about as well as uh, the men that are around me, which means that um, <laughs> I hold up, be, you know, because I don't try to hold up. If that makes sense. Because you're held up. Yeah. Yes. And, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, the, um, probably, can I tell you the, 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 this little more current expression of the Tin Man? Um, the, the image that I actually used to have of myself in ministry or in yeah. life as a husband or father was, um, was the Terminator. That's another uh-huh. robot. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> he 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 took shots, but none of them were fatal. Like, and he right. thought literally he would take these shots, but could never stand up and say, "I'm hurt." Yeah, in fact, he just had to reach with his own hand, and he'd reach into his arm and he'd kind of rewire himself and, yeah. and just get back up again. You go, "Hey, I can't be took fifty machine gun rounds." And the difference I think today for me is that I don't think that I have to be that man. So I ask for help, and I stay in community with the men. I talk about what's inside me. And as long as I'm doing that, I stay in a good place. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful way to live. All right. Well, yeah, thanks. But I love, listen, I love. Yeah. How can people connect with you and your ministry if they're not going to the weekend? Where can they go? What can they see? Uh, they can go right now to a 10manministries.org, 10manministries.org, and uh, tell a bit about what we do and uh, obviously, I speak and do something like that. Um, I'm in the licensure process as a therapist as well, so I do some counseling. Uh, but also, I've got Tim Man. We've got several, and they're on the website as well. We do some intensives. We're getting. I'm getting ready to do a, a, a two day intensive this week with six senior pastors uh, in November. We're doing another intensive for six men uh, in Memphis, where we kind of help guys unpack some of this kind of stuff. So we do that kind of stuff. It's all on the website. All right. So resources and information available at tinmanministries.com. Org. 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 Nice. Well, thank you guys right. for hanging out, Jeff, Joel. Thank you so much, Jeff and Joel. And we will be right back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. podcast that was I, I can't believe you've had this friend for so long and never introduced me to him where mm-hmm. where have you been hiding this guy <laughs> isn't jeff just he's the greatest man it's, and uh you know we have been we've been friends but kind of friends at arm's length what we you know casting admiring glances in each other's directions on the rare occasion we've seen each other uh but uh, what a tremendous gift for teaching uh, 
He's a strong leader, and uh, he has received that gift of empathy. The man's in touch with his own heart. He's plugged in and has a real gift for helping other guys get plugged in. Yeah. No, you could... Uh, I hope the video, we were having some technical problems with the video, uh, so I'm not sure if I will be putting the video up on YouTube, I'll see, but I hope it does work out because you could really see how much he personally feels for the stuff he's talking about, Yeah, for men finding this language and for finding, not running from the emotions that are going to cause them to see where they need to go next. Right, 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 right. So that's great. I love how he ties that in. Men need to need to hear more of this to start to counterbalance all of the manly culture that has suppressed it for so yes. many years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And man, their wives will be the beneficiary. I told Jenny about the interview and what he talked about and that he was going to be at the retreat. And her first uh, statement was, wow, the wives are going to be so happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. So we'd love to hear from you. We have not uh, had any questions sent in a little while. So if you have thoughts, questions, stuff you'd like us to to address or uh, argue about, then please send us a note to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. That was piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. And, and by the way, Aaron, sure. we did get emails uh, after our uh, interview with Jason Pamer about Heart of Man movie. So Yvonne, Chris, CJ, Clinton, and Marty will each be getting pairs of tickets to the Heart of Man movie, showing one night only, September 14th, 7 o'clock at a theater near you. If you're not, if you've not yet gotten tickets to go to the movie, if you haven't planned to take a friend, then uh, if there's time, if you're not listening to this after September 14th, make sure and get yourself to the film. And if you get there early, you can see Samson and your tr- yours truly in the pre-roll to the film. So. Well, so get there on time and watch that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the time we've got for today, I believe. So, you're Nate. <laughs> and you're Aaron. You're Aaron. <laughs> I'm going to call you Alan. You're Just, Aaron. I, I threw off your rhythm there. You it's, really yeah. did. <laughs> but one thing I do know, we are your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. See you next time. Shook it up. Nobody fully Always one foot on the ground And by protecting my heart truly I got lost In the sounds I hear in my mind All of these voices I hear in my mind All of these words I hear in my mind music and it breaks my heart and it breaks my heart and it breaks my heart when it breaks my heart